0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Slam podcast back again for the second week in a row and it's the same two myself Matt Here's... Cole, joined by Matt Chivers how are you this week Matt good thanks mate yeah um <clears throat> changed the schedule we've got
1: big things coming up this week for Steve so um it's our it's our turn again on the, on this Monday to um go through all the tour stuff and I'm looking forward to it there was uh, some some emotional and some exciting stuff from the weekend and last week wasn't there
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, We'd like to obviously point out that, as always, the Slam Podcast is brought to you in uh, association with Callaway, who saw Eric Van Royen win for the second time on the PGA Tour this week. Uh, And as Matt just mentioned, it was an uh, an emotional week. He shot uh, an incredible back nine of 28 on Sunday to win the Worldwide Technology Championship. We'll get to that in a little while. At the same event, Adam Long made history by becoming the first man in over 30 years to hit every single fairway. Um, in a four-day competition on the PGA Tour. I mean, that just beggars belief, really, with the way I play, at least. Anyway, um, <laughs> talking to the PGA Tour, uh, it seems that there'll be no repercussions for those that try their hand at the promotions event on Live Golf. And is the framework agreement falling to pieces? Could the PGA Tour be going into private equity? Well, all that and more. We'll start, of course, with, with Eric Van Rooyen this week, though, Matt, um that back nine of 28, including a walk-off eagle on the 18th, uh, on the 72nd hole, um, and then just the emotion, the outpouring of emotion afterwards, was it, it was really nice to see at the end for, for someone who's struggled a little bit since moving on to the PGA Tour for the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, he, he was 125th, I think, before this week, so that would have put him on right on the bubble for... The, the full series because the top 125 category is one they're all aiming for. They need to win, they need to get good finishes in the full series. These these types of players to get starts next year um, and he's now secured a place in the Century Tournament of Champions, the Players' Championship and a few other exemptions by winning in this full series and that's why it's so important, this period is so important Um, and so full of jeopardy for players like Eric Van Rooyen. He's sort of started on the DP World Tory, didn't he? Um, the South African. Um, and now he has won twice in the PJ Tour, he won the twenty twenty-one Barracuda Championship. This is a big moment for him, but as he sort of saw, his perspective wasn't on the golf, it was very much on um <clears throat> it was very much on his friend John, who seems to be suffering from terminal cancer, doesn't he? So very, very, very sad story at the end. It was a bit, It must have been so bittersweet for him having won it in such dramatic fashion with an eagle on the last hole, um, to beat Camilo Villegas and Matt Kuchar, who, um, you know, it was a bit of a throwback leaderboard really with those two up there. So to to, to beat them in such fashion, taking only twenty eight shots on on the back nine, and then to shoot well, no, sorry, to make an eagle in the last hole, um, in such a way, he, he may have to keep calm just purely by having the perspective of his, of his friend at home. Um, yeah. And then <clears throat> the story is, is one that probably a lot of people can relate to around the world. So very relatable moment and a very, yeah, just very, very poignant, wasn't it? You don't see that many stories like that on, on the tour. And it would have been um, incredible for, if Villegas had won two, because um, he, he also lost his, well, he, he lost his daughter a couple of years ago. Didn't need to cancer, I believe. So, that would have been an incredible moment for him. So there was a lot of
0: stories and a lot riding on on this weekend, I suppose, wasn't there? Yeah, exactly. And You mentioned that. um he, So it's his close friend and and who, the man who was best man at, at Eric Van Rooyen's wedding, John <coughs> Trasemar, um, said apparently he, you know, he only has six to ten weeks left to live. And, and Van Rooyen said after after the victory, he said I was calm because there's bigger stuff in life than golf. If you look at my ball. There's a little music note on there and the initials JT for John Trasimar, my best friend, excuse me, who's got melanoma and he's not going to make it. Every shot out there today was for him. And when you're playing for something bigger than winning some silly trophy, it puts it into perspective. And at the end of the day, whether I won or lost here, it really didn't matter. Um, Yeah, you mentioned that calmness. I think for, for a man that, Obviously, was as you mentioned, one hundred twenty fifth on the bubble of, of whether he was going to have a PGA Tour card next year. Obviously, that worry is now gone. Yeah. But with having something like this, sort of, over you know, as as a whole, over over the head, let's call it, of, of Eric Van Rooyen Bos mm-hmm. playing, um, whether he made it onto the PGA Tour for twenty twenty four or not, didn't really matter, did it? Mm-hmm. You know, it was, and that probably is is actually. Helped him be calm enough down the stretch to actually win. He's earned exemptions to um,
1: no a, a tour card till to twenty twenty five. The twenty twenty four season he's almost set up, isn't he? And that's why, that's why, I was saying, the full series is so important. So I think it was such an exciting finish, and very Van Roy. No, he's, he's he's previously sort of made headlines, isn't he, for his like his sort of tapered bottom trousers and like wearing golf joggers and stuff. And he appears very. He seems like I've always seen him as quite a popular figure on the um, on the PGA tour. Um, you know, n- n- now a two-time winner, that is very, very impressive. I think he's come close before. between now, between now and um, in the last two years, since his last victory. And like it would have been the same situation if Fidegas had won, you know, he outpoured with emotion on the green. And then he was very open. You know, it's not very easy to be open about these things, is it? I'm sure for people who suffer from them, it's not very easy to be open at all. He was very open in his press conference. Um, he told the full story of John, of, of, of how he, he first met him, having left South Africa in 2009 as a very young, young man, I think. So he would have been 19. um, He went to Minneapolis airport where John and his parents um, met him and sort of to say hi. And they sort of made him one of their own, so to speak. Um, And then he shared a room with him for three out of four years at college, I think Minnesota university. And then it's just gone from there, isn't it? And he says, he said, you know, John tried to has pursued a career in golf and, um, had one of the best short games in the world, he said. Um, so it is just, I mean, you, you, you hope there's some sort of turnaround because there was he, he was declared cancer-free in April um, around the time of the heritage and you just sort of hope some sort of turnaround. But by, by the looks of things, perhaps by Van Rooyen's tone and by his emotion, m- maybe that might not happen. But um, yeah, just a very, very... It is in a week where, um, you know... The, the, the spotlight is off the PJ tour slightly, um, because it's not the main part of the season. Is it? It's not the major season. We've had this fantastic, well, inc- incredible story, a great win for Van Rooyen, but just strangely tinged with a bit of sadness.
0: Yeah, completely. And you mentioned that there's been a lot of great stories on the, on the this sort of fall series, hasn't there? And <clears throat> obviously, we mentioned about Camilo Viegas there, who who hasn't won on tour for could have won nine years now um and obviously himself having gone through a you know a, a tragic time a few years ago with his daughter Mia passing away um it it's it just seemed that to walk towards the end of of the tournament with with the three of them Matt Cootras well, obviously having not won for a while either, mm. it seemed that whoever won. It was going to be an emotional win, you know. I mean, I say it's all you know. All, most wins are emotional, but you see someone like a a Rory or a John Rahm if they're winning, you know, and a Scotty Scheffler if they're winning again and again and again. It's not that it comes robotic, but it doesn't quite have the same gravitas, the same meaning as as this sort of win would have done for for all three of those that were at the top of the leaderboard.
1: Yeah, it was it was a very 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 interesting leaderboard. Um, and if you look look further down it, there was there was. Um... The big A with the with another top ten. Um, he's he's just climbing up the rankings week by week, isn't he? Um, if you look further down, you, you had sort of younger stars like Davis Thompson, um, our man Ben Griffin. Um, so it was um it, it was an interesting leaderboard at a Tiger Woods Design golf course. Um, I think it was the first first one he's designed that's been used on the PGA Tour now. Um, El Cardinal in in Mexico. Um, which obviously brought different variables that we've not seen before, such as Adam Long's amazing record. Um, It seems fairways, finding fairways, wasn't that difficult. Not to um, take away anything from the record, but it seems like if if this was going to be, if there was going to be a week where a fairway breaking, a fairway finding type record was going to be broken, it would have been this one. Um, But no, hats off to Van Roy. And him and his caddy were clearly very, um, um, his caddy was sort of holding back the tears as he was speaking to NBC at the end as well, um, so yeah, and it's sort of weird, isn't it? Because if that hadn't, won, if he hadn't have won, I know um, there was sort of prior knowledge about his his friend John's um, condition before, but we wouldn't have, we might not have known the extent had it had he not have won. So these things, I suppose it's it's important that these things are unearthed um, in a way. So yeah, very, very, just very bittersweet ending to a PJ
0: Tour event that we've not seen much of the like before really. Yeah. And obviously our thoughts and, uh, and prayers go out to mm. both the Eric Van Rooyen and of course the, the Trasimar family. And from that, obviously you mentioned about Adam Long <clears throat> um, and, and an incredible statistic this week, 56 fairways to hit 56 successful fairways hit for Adam Long and, um, First man in 30 years to do so at a PGA Tour event. Um, just an incredible show of, of driving accuracy. But as you mentioned, it maybe wasn't... It, it, we don't want to take away from, the obviously, the st- statistic and how good it was. But it was, as you mentioned, possibly the right event for this to happen because it seemed that a lot of players were doing it. I think 13 more hit at least 54 of 56 fairways. Um, so it was the right event for it, but an incredible statistic nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, God, like, I know there's a, a bit more uh,
1: emphasis on distance and over-accuracy in today's, like, sort of modern game, but that that is unbelievable. To hit every single fairway is absolutely staggering. I mean, it's not been done since 1992, of course. Um, and like, like we said, so there were 5,740 tee shots on the par 4s and 5s over the four rounds and 5,194 5, of them landed in the fairway, so you know, if it wasn't going to be broken, then maybe this week there was a good chance. But still, for Adam Long to do that, um, he's ranked 13th in, on the tour in driving accuracy, I think, this year. So, um, again, if there was someone going to, who was going to do it, maybe it was going to be him. But to, to not miss a fairway, that, that that's not hitting any sort of slice or hook. I know the fairways were supposedly wide at um, El Cardinal last week, but to not hit any sort of miscue, to you know, they, they all must have been on, on absolute strings. So to do that is, is absolutely mind-boggling, to be fair. And then afterwards, afterwards, I think he spoke. I think I think he spoke about it afterwards. Um, he said it's something I'll be able to. It's something I'll be able to say forever. Some sort of bragging rights or an interesting stat at trivia nights, which I found quite funny. Um, then the PJ Tour Communications tweeted that it's the first time since Brian Clark at the 1992 Memorial tournament so yeah I mean incredible Uh, that's just another thing that uh, related related to something we'll talk about later with Andy Sullivan it's just something else that just separates tour pros from like mortals like us I think like the ability to do that like Adam Long was not, not a household name he's not like a serial winner but these tour pros can just produce magic and produce incredible shots um Week in, week out, hole by hole. And to again, just to hit every fairway, that is something that no one else can relate to other than tour professionals. They're just sort of, I mean, it goes without saying, but they're just sort of in their own
0: league, aren't they, all the time? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I'd hit every fairway of that course, even if you put me at the start of the fairway, which says, you know. <laughs> no, exactly.
1: Um, we probably wouldn't. We probably yeah. wouldn't. <laughs>
0: You know, we don't all go four under three, four at La Manga, but that's just the story. Um, <laughs> I wasn't was going to bring it up, but since that's, you did... that's one for those who were listening last week. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, an incredible statistic, and you mentioned 30-odd odd years. I was looking down the, the list of, of driving accuracy this morning um, ahead of this, and 71% is um, sort of the leading uh, man on PGA Tour. That's Russell Henley. Um, you mentioned Adam Long, who's 66%. Uh, he's 658 coming into this week now mm. at sixty no surprise he's risen slightly up that list <laughs> um but even so, I think still think when you think seventy one percent of fairways that's still incredible you know, considering these drives are being hit 280, 300 yards to mm. hit seventy percent of fairways is you know I think that's one of the the points that you mentioned those mere mortals I think that's one part of the game that people maybe don't realize is you know, you think me and you, you know, we're probably happy if we hit 50% of fairways in a round. These players are hitting uh, 70% of fairways regularly. Yeah, Um, exactly. So, I mean, just the level is just incredible. And we have to, again, commend Adam Long and and everyone else who, you know, hit 54 of 56 and 55 of 56 this week. Um, Tiger, if you're listening, we'd love to come and try and prove that the fairways aren't wide enough for us mere well, More, I'm quickly. sure he is listening. I don't see why he wouldn't be. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we love you. Um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, but talking to the PGA Tour, we've got to move on. And uh, obviously, um, a couple of weeks ago when I was on with Steve, he grilled me a little bit on what the Live Golf Promotions event was, mm. um, and I just about fumbled my way through. I think, um, <laughs> we, we're all so we've also come to a Steve Carroll grilling on yeah. this podcast. I think that every now and then. <laughs> um but yeah the Live Golf Promotions event obviously we talked about we talked about it before. Um we talked about it a lot last week actually because the the format had been brought out um by Live Golf themselves. So it turns out this week it's turns out that PGA Tour players will be allowed to play in this event um with no repercussions. And this is because the uh PGA Tour I believe the words they used was unofficial tournament, sorry, unauthorized tournament. Yeah. Um, so, it, I mean, I mean, a full statement was given from from a tour spokesperson who said, and and the statement read out as this: "Based on the information publicly available regarding the Live Golf Promotions event, it is determined to be a qualifying event only and not part of an unauthorized series." Which you can we kind of agree with, I think. Um, therefore, the live golf promotion event is not categorized as an unauthorized tournament this classification Mm. is subject to change should the details of the event change um and and we we spoke about this last week uh matt we spoke about the whole thing and whether you'd rather do dp world tour qualifying or yeah um, we even mentioned corn ferry tour and q school there and and so on um Can you see PGA Tour players going over and trying? I think they will. Now they know there's no repercussions. I think we're going to see more than we perhaps would have done had this statement not come out in the first place. Yeah, I mean, but
1: if they get onto the Live Golf Tour, surely there is going to be repercussions. Do you know what I mean? Like, surely if they then get onto it, then there is going to be repercussions. I suppose what they could do is just try and win it win 200 grand and then say, you're all right. I don't, I'll just stay on the PGA tour. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's,
0: the thing is, it's been a of, strange I mean, Yeah. And if you look down, obviously we mentioned about Eric Van Rooyen being, um, 125th on, on the FedEx cup standings, you know, during the fall series prior to, to his victory for someone like Eric, if he hadn't have won this week, he had been struggling in and around the bubble. And for those who are, surely it's a free go, you know, uh,
1: because if yeah. you win
0: the event, it's you know for, I'm just looking at some of the names that are still underneath the top 20. like Cameron Champ, massive name a few years ago and has gone off the off the boil a little bit. Um, Kramer Hickok, Adam Long, as we've just mentioned, he's 138th. Yeah. Um, short. Sure, I would not be surprised whatsoever to see some of these names, no, yeah, making the move over. Someone like maybe like a a Webb Simpson who's down there, you know or or even Camille Viegas is down there as well. he's outside the, the just inside the top one hundred and fifty, which would earn conditional status um you won't for me you won't see the top fifty in the world go let's say I don't think you'll yeah. see that that happen, no. but for those lower down the rankings as we just I just mentioned, a few of those names there. I would not be surprised if they go and try their hand because a it's free money. Let's be honest, you know you finish anyway. You're going to get at least I yeah. think, was it 120?
1: Uh, is it 140? Off the bottom of the leaderboard is
0: it? Yeah, I think, well, I think I think anyone who plays in the event gets it's. I think I would say like, you need yeah, lift. Yeah, so yeah, it was it was it's five grand if you if you play in round one, ten grand if you play in round two, and then I think if if you make it into the top um twenty and ties for the third round, it's I think it was something like at least. Seventeen thousand two hundred and fifty, or something like that. Um So, why not? Nice little December trip to the Middle East, get some winter sun, play a bit of golf. Oh, It'd basically it. be a free oh, trip let's... by the end of it because you'd have all yeah, your expenses paid for. Yeah, win it, take two hundred grand, and then go and play for another one point four million minimum yeah. next year if you fancy it. I mean, it's the the only thing i'd say maybe for those who are thinking of going is if they do go then major championships are out of the window because obviously you can qualify for majors by winning the players or yeah. doing well at the players or the memorial or so on so that might go out the window but maybe, you know we'll definitely see some try their hand at, at abu dhabi golf club at, at the end in mid december for sure i think well, yeah, it is
1: just the route after that 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 would be be interesting because say if Adam Long, as we were just talking about him earlier, say if he went to this and won it, he'd win two hundred grand. But the PGA, But although the PGA Tour have said this is this is not an unauthorized tournament, so they can play in it. I agree with mm. that. I, I I don't see why they couldn't. But yeah, they know. it's a qualifying
0: event, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's not a live golf event, really, is it? Like, no, because, it's, it's because they can qualify for the Asian Tour as well. So it's, so it's like a... It's yes. Like a, it's weird, isn't it? But it's, it's technically yeah. not a live golf event. So I'm not surprised they're allowed to play because you can't stop golfers playing in a in one tournament. But in terms of what that leads to, they could obviously then get suspended and whatever if, if they go mm-hmm. on to play in live golf. Because technically they could finish in the top three take the money, I don't know what what the regulations
0: are. I don't know if you finish in the top three, you have to go and play Live Golf. Yeah, that would be the thing. I think with the way the whole thing has been set up, I think it might be that, or or maybe it's a case of, you're in the top three, well done. You're only going to get this 200,000 if you sign on for Live Golf for 2024. Yeah, yeah. So... It could it could be that i'm not saying it is i don't know we obviously we don't know the behind the scenes we don't know any of the contracts or anything that's been put in place um but it it, it is a very good question and obviously we debated this through the week as, as mm-hmm. whether you'd rather go to um live golf promotion event or, or DP world tour q school and, and and that in itself is a big question obviously q school finished this week and we have to congratulate of course everyone who's Made, you know, got their cards for the for the DP World Tour for twenty twenty four as well, um, in what was horrendous conditions in in Biarritz at times. Um, I mean, w- would you go if you were if you were say Adam Long and you're hovering in and around the bubble? Obviously, it could be a case if Adam Long wins this week in Bermuda, or you know, the RSM Classic flies up into that top 20, 125, you've got one twenty five. You've got a PGA Tour card for the season. Um, but if you don't have that PGA Tour card and you're in that position, are you going to try and your hand at Abu Dhabi? Well, the only thing is, like we sort of put in our debate
1: last week and we alluded to, there is only three spots available, which is the only thing. I mean, there is prize money, obviously, but there's only three spots available. So unless you really fancy yourself, it's going to be, it's tough, isn't it, to be fair? Um, I know a lot of them can enter in round two, can't they? They can just go; str- They can be fast-tracked into round two, I think. Yeah. Um but the top three it, 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 that that is tough going. Seventy and seventy two holes in three days—that's a lot of golf as well. It's a lot of golf for three spots, so that's what you'd have to consider, I think. Hmm. Um, and in terms of DP World Tour, that there is more spots available, than that and there is probably more spots available at Corn Ferry Tour as well. Although there is quite a lot of preliminary qualifying to do with the Corn Ferry one, I think. Yeah. Um. So it's an interesting it's an interesting thing that they've been allowed to. I just don't. I don't know, does that, it's a bit, I mean, that was a story, obviously, that they're allowed. But it's sort of a non-story because the repercussions for playing on the Live Golf League technically haven't changed. The the outlook on players going to play to Live Golf hasn't changed. It's just the fact that they're allowed to try and qualify or they're allowed to earn money from that event. I think that's the point I'm getting to. Some players might just go and try and earn money and then not play for Live Golf ever, ever. So it's an interesting one because obviously players were suspended when they first joined Live Golf. Deeper World Tour players have been fined and then subsequently resigned because they've been fined. So to make them eligible for more fines... So it's an interesting. I mean, um, I hope it's televised this event because it'll be interesting to watch. I hope it's not just on the CW or like the Live Golf app. I hope it's like on, I know it's unlikely to be on any sort of mainstream television channel in the UK yeah. or America, but it'd be, it, it would be an interesting watch this. I like, I I, I would watch that. I'm not, a, I'm not yeah, like no, so saying that I would, I don't watch a lot of Live Golf, I'm honest, you know, despite no, being neither. a
0: golf journalist, yeah. but oh,
1: no, I would I'll watch with
0: you, you on Golf yeah, completely with you on that. And I think it's it sort of it's not a jeopardy, I suppose. Well, I suppose it is for those because you've got the four, of course, who were relegated this year mm. who will be playing, well, you would expect them to play in it. Um, you know, Jed Morgan, um, James Pyatt, Chase Kepner, and Siwan Kim. Um Though so, I mean you'd expect Siwan Kim to finish last anyway with the way he, he's played this year on, on Lyft Golf. Um it, there's is that there is that jeopardy for those, and of course, those who are in the open zone and and maybe aren't contracted to teams for twenty twenty four. Because obviously, there's the free agency aspect of of live golf mm. as well, which is a brand new aspect to to live golf and akin to a lot of American sports. Um. But yeah, it, I I will very much be be tuning in, um, because I'd like to see how it how that you know it plays out and. Obviously, if there are some big PGA Tour names that go across, and DP World Tour names, of course, as well, possibly. We've, there's Obviously, there's not been a statement from the for the mm-hmm. DP World Tour about whether there'll be repercussions or not, but you'd expect it would be something along similar lines of it being an unauthorised event and so on. Could we see the likes of, I don't know, maybe a, a Lucas Herbert Go across and maybe try his hand. You know, we obviously Jed Morgan's out. We need another Australian for Team Ripper. Yeah, well, exactly needs. <laughs> Could Lucas Herbert go across and, and join up with Cam Smith and them? Um, yeah, I mean, I'll be watching, and I definitely for me, I think if there's no repercussions and you're in that sort of position, why would you mm. not go and try try your hand in it? Because yeah. there's no PGA Tour events. You know, the season's over. Come. I think what November the nineteenth, when the RSM Classics finished, um, the DP World Tour obviously continues into the those um, co-sanctioned events in South Africa and Australia around that time. Um, but why why not go and try your hand in Abu Dhabi and, and see what comes of it? I mean, if if you don't, if you decide that you're not going to sign up or you're not going to take the money you've at least played well and it's going to give you confidence for moving on into 2024, whatever tour you're on. And if you do take the money, well, you've got a guaranteed 1.4 million for finishing last every week in (laughs) in in, in Live Golf next year. So, I mean, it's surely there's a winner for everyone there. Um, There is that thing of will will the top stars need to
1: because there's there's three spots available and I think that I think eventually Live want 15 teams of four. I think that's eventually what, what they're aiming for.
0: Yeah, and they want them to be sort of By country as well, don't they? So that each team has like a home event. Yeah. yeah. So if there's
1: three players qualifying from there, um that'll still be forty eight. Yeah. That'll still be because they've lost no, they've lost I mean lost they've lost
0: four, have they? Yes. But plus obviously the Kepka plus plus the international series order of merit winner as well takes the other spot, which is which will probably be Andy Ogletree. So that'll be add up to four. So then at some point they're gonna Add
1: 12 other players, I think. I think that's what they need. Well, I think that's what they want. So, again, this just this meritocracy thing. They might have some pathway, but at, at some point, they're going to add more players, aren't they? Which yeah. doesn't really make it a meritocracy because they're just signing players for money. That's not earning a spot on the tour, is it? But you know, that, that might be not one for another day. But I, I certainly hope it's on telly. It will it, it, be, be very interesting to see actually who plays. and I'm
0: looking forward. It's not long now, is it? Only a month. So, it be interesting to see who actually enters. Yeah, exactly. Um, just like to go back to what I said about uh, DP World Tour Q-School. It was actually the Challenge Tour Grand Final that was happening in Mallorca um, over the, the past week. And congratulations to Marco Penge, who, who was yeah. sublime throughout the week. Um, we, we saw a bit of him at the, the Open Championship, of course, um, early this year at Royal Liverpool. Um, congratulations to him and the 20 players on the Challenge Tour Grand Final who, who've secured their DP World Tour cards for next uh, year. Next week is DP World Tour Q School, of course, where one Matt Chivers will be going, mm-hmm. not playing, despite his four under three, four at La Manga. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so obviously you'll be there next week and that'll be a, a, another chance to for you know those players who maybe didn't make it from um, the Challenge Tour Grand Final this week in Mallorca to, to go again. That's in Spain, of course, at Infinitum. Um, looking ahead to the more overarching branch of, well basically of all of golf i suppose really uh, we talked about the pga tour obviously there's now this live golf promotions event uh and obviously what has there been the talk of over the last sort of six months or so between pga and and the pif of course the public investment fund which is what <clears throat> run um live golf of course is the framework agreement now that obviously has gone quiet over the last couple of months um with everyone well, Obviously, parties involved, I believe, hoping that the deal will be done for January the 1st, I think, was the deadline for it. Um, that might not be the case anymore. Um, due to the PGA Tour perhaps turning into private equity, um, FSG, um, the, the Fenway Sports Group, who mm. are the owners of, of Liverpool Football Club, um, among, among many other um, teams and and. Organisations around the world, are one of the names that have been um, apparently, you know, rumoured to be looking at buying out the PGA Tour or buying a stake in the PGA Tour. Um, Matt, your thoughts on on this and, and and what it could mean for for the future of the tour and the framework agreement and so? Because there's a lot to unpack here. Yeah,
1: to be fair, there is a lot to unpack, and like we're not, we like neither of us are claiming to be any sort of business or. Financial journalists here because because it, it, but but it is still sort of sort of big news. I mean, the sort of exclusive on this was broken by Emma Lynch from Golf Week, um, and it sort of start, the article started with started with and uh, Tour has winnowed the list of companies being considered as private equity partners in its new for profit entity, and it includes some of the most prominent figures in American finance. Um, so, and the article continues from more than a dozen initial suitors, five groups remain in the mix to be the primary investment. Partner in PJ Tour Enterprises, which was created on June the, with a June the June sixth announcement of the framework agreement with the Saudi Public Investment Fund. So that was those are the words of Emma Lynch on on Golf Week. So with it seems obviously that PJ Tour are in talks with sort of huge franchises and huge companies um, with a view to you know gaining more investment because if the PJ Tour is to keep up. These this consistent prize money increases it's going to need a lot of investment a lot more they've already dipped into their reserves as we've learned to fund these last two schedules where they've massively increased prize money um, but in terms of what it means for the framework agreement and their alliance perceived alliance with um, the public investment fund you know when Excuse me. when uh, Yazid Arumayan and Jay Monaghan appeared on telly together in June, talking about um, and and announcing the framework agreement, you know, there was no talk of other parties, was there? So that was, I don't know, it, it would suggest, and there's sort of whispers that the 31st of December deadline of an agreement between the PIF and the PGA Tour, there's talk of that not being met. And now there's now this story that, Pj Tour is seeking partnerships with private equity um, offers, and and Shipnuck. What, what we mentioned him last week, um, you know, he's he's written nine books. He's very well researched, extremely well researched on these on, on the legal situation between the Pj Tour and, and Liv and the PIF. And he tweeted three days ago to a, a question that said, "What is Liv going to be in 2024 and beyond? What's the latest thinking?" And Shipnock replied to that by saying, from talking to folks on Wall Street and in Silicon Valley who are close to the deal, the framework agreement is falling apart. Fenway Sports Group has put in a monster bid to usurp the PIF. It looks increasingly likely we go back to Liv versus the Tour. Now, obviously, he doesn't know that for a fact. Um, he, he, those are his sources saying that, and the outcome hasn't hasn't come yet, has it? But, you know, I think when the PJ Tour and the PIF... Um, announced this sort of deal, we all sort of thought, well, that's that's it then, this is going to happen. Um, there's going to be some sort of financial alliance and there's going to be some sort of added added team schedule to the PJ Tours schedule. This is it. This is, the PIF is now at the top table of golf. And that might still happen. But there was no sort of rumblings of other parties like there is now at that time, was there? So that would suggest that maybe the PIF and the PJ Tours agreement or progress to an agreement hasn't gone the way they thought it would. And then we saw that sort of a few months ago as well, when two it, was it Ron Price and Jimmy Dunn appeared before the US Senate to talk about the best of both worlds stuff and the preliminary agreements, the preliminary proposals of um, Al-Rumayang wanting to become a member of Augusta and live golfers getting their memberships back and Tiger Woods and Roy McIlroy leading, leading uh, teams on this new schedule. So all of these things maybe appear quite fanciful now because it looks like the deadline isn't going to be met, and now there are other parties clearly taking up the PJ tour's attention. So the PIF aren't the only aren't the only bidders at the table, so to speak. Now are they? So as I say, we're not financial or business journalists. We can't go into the nitty gritty of what of what the offers are and what negotiations are going on. But it does seem like um, Lutz just said the PIF are not the only are not the only um, people talking talking to the PJ Tour anymore, are they? The PJ Tour no. is clearly seeking other
0: avenues for financial investment, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. And obviously, you mentioned about that. I'd completely I'd forgotten about the fact that the part of the 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 PIF plan was to have Tiger and, and Rory leading teams. Mm. I'd completely forgotten about that. Um, instead, they'll be leading their own teams at TGL. Um, what one of which is, is you know is Boston Common, which will be Rory McIlroy's. Mm team which FSG the Fenway Sports Group um have actually invested into so there's obviously money already going in um and and there the FSG's bid is is supported by Stephen Cohen and Arthur Blank um who also bought TGL teams earlier in the summer so yeah there's money from these companies and and, uh, and bidders and suitors already going into the game you know um uh, and they are they are the FSG, Liberty Strategic Capital, um, Acorn Growth Companies, Eldridge Industries, of which Todd Bowley, the Chelsea owner, um, and we know how much cash has been pumped into, into Chelsea over the last 12 months. Um, and then a group of individuals being referred to as, as the Friends of Golf. They're the five sort of main groups, uh, or the bid- groups bidding to be the, the main private equity. And then there's several other companies remaining um, who might add additional capital. Um, and of course... You know, the talk of this is is all about because of these elevated events and there's gonna be what eight events that have at least twenty million, I think, wasn't it, in the in the prize pot. So that's hundred and sixty million. Plus you've then got the players, uh the playoffs, I should say, and we know yes. the FedEx Cup winners, you know, is is what, fifteen million these days and so on. God knows how I can't remember how much the entire figure is for the for the thirty players that play in that. But even from just that you're looking at almost two hundred million dollars from nine events in the year. Then there's the rest of the PGA Tour schedule and the players' championship and, and the other playoff events and so on. And and it does it, you you get to the point where you are thinking a hell of a lot of money is actually needed for this to actually work. Um and that is probably why these suitors are maybe being talked about more than they were previously. Yeah. Well the money's not gonna stop, is it? The money
1: the the increase in prize funds aren't gonna stop, are they? It's just going to keep going up and up and up, and you know one day we'll have like a one day we'll have like a fifty million tournament, won't we? Like, live aren't going to stop, the PGA Tour aren't going to stop. So that's, this this is clearly why. Surely this is clearly why. Um, um, Golf Week has corroborated, uh, has gathered all this new, all, all these all this information, and it's been widely reported that that private equity um, options are being considered by the PGA Tour. You know. Um. And just sort of refer back to the point I was making earlier, like none of this was being considered. None of this was a thing when the PGA Tour and the PIF announced their intention to sign a deal back in June. Like they were the only people at the party, the PIF and the PGA Tour. Uh, And like anything else would have appeared inconceivable. The, The visuals were, this is going to happen and one day we're going to have an alliance between the investors of Live and the PGA Tour, but now doesn't appear to be the case? So yeah, I mean it was certainly worth mentioning on the podcast because it's a big, it's a big thing, it's a big, it's a huge thing. You know, December December thirty first deadline um, is fast approaching, and as Lynch wrote at the bottom of his article, apparently according to one source, there's been less than zero progress on on this framework agreement. Um, and two other sources attribute the slow pace to the Saudis, waiting to see how the private equity element takes shape. So that was that was the exclusive that was reported by Golf Week. So again just all we up in will the air, have isn't to it? see what happens in this unpredictable
0: timeline, you know, no one can predict what will happen, can they? No, exactly. Um Should we talk about something a bit more light hearted? um <laughs> yeah yeah that was a bit that's a bit deep that wasn't it <laughs> let's talk about andy sullivan um and those of you who might remember andy sullivan a few years ago being part of the um dp world tours 500 shot hole in one challenge yeah yeah, um, yeah. Which he, did, he did i think it was at london golf club um and he eventually made it started running down and just you know was shouting you beauty and club was thrown and so on he's a great personality and um this week, the DP World Tour put out a video and it was the first of, of, of this kind that they'd done um, with uh, a one club challenge. What could Andy Sullivan shoot at, um, I think it was at the Belfry, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, on the Brabazon. What could he shoot with one club? Um, mm. He opted for a five iron, which I thought was a, it was a bold choice for, for me. Um, it's probably because I can't hit my five iron very well, but that's a different story. <laughs> Um, uh, but I mean, it was an incredible video. And I mean, he, I think it was three, I think he was four over three, five or something like that, but managed to shoot 78 for six over, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, including an incredible up and down with a five iron out of a greenside bunker on 18. Um, an incredible shot. And obviously, the 18th grade famous for Richard Bland's put as well when he won the British yeah, Masters yeah, yeah. a few years ago and so on. Of that, and of course, a few Ryder Cups as well. Um, just a, couple, yeah. Just a few, yeah. Um, and but yeah, it, it sort of got us thinking about well, a couple of things. Firstly, basically, what club would you choose if you had to do the same thing? And also, um, what our thoughts were on sort of three and four club competitions that that are yeah, put on by, you excited. know, your local golf club. Um and I've played in a few of them before and I quite enjoy them. Uh but let's just talk about the one club thing. What would you choose if you had to play, let's say Obviously, we've played at Scarcroft a few times. You know, yeah, which yeah. Is a place in, in in Leeds, just by our offices. Um, what would be the club of choice that you'd go for if you had to do it? And and if if you did do it, do you think forget breaking eighty? Do you think you could break ninety? Well, no, there's no, there's no chance. Um,
1: I, I, I think he got it right with a five iron. To be fair, thinking about it, obviously the woods are out of the question. Um, you need length. So, I think he did get it right with a five iron. I'm not sure what else. Maybe you could push to a four iron. Maybe just a. He, he could. A tour pro could probably just about get away with a four iron, I reckon. Um, but it would make it the approaches difficult. I think he got it right with a five iron. I think that's what I would do. But watching that, like. His putt, it didn't miss a thing. Like, his putting was amazing.
0: I know, like, and he, he, he explained it as well, didn't he? That he was basically trying to thin it every time he was, yeah. you know, to keep the ball rolling instead of. And it was just. You mentioned it. He didn't miss a putt. It was just madness. Um, Look, I miss a few three, of, I, I reckon
1: I missed two, like three footers around um, the putter. Yeah, <laughs> the actual putter. Like I can't. Like I reckon there's two, three footers around where I can't hit the ball in a straight line. Yeah, like, and, and right. he and he and the, he was doing just, it with a five iron. Just that like, he was two putting with a five iron from miles away, and oh. the two bunker up and downs were just ridiculous. Like oh. the backspin he like got on that yeah, yeah. first one. Oh. It's like the Adam Long thing. Like these are things that these tour pros are just—they're exactly. just freakishly good at this this sport, aren't they? They're just—they are freaks. Like they—they're they're just freakishly. They just know what. They just know how to control their ball. They just—they know what to do with a club in their hands. It's just seventy-eight is absolutely mental. With Mad. Yeah. Like, he, he might not have. He, I mean, we we wouldn't get the Belfry is quite a tough course. I think like yeah, we obviously wouldn't get. We, we'd have to play really well to shoot at seventy-eight. And he's done it with just a 5-iron. It's just... It's madness. It, and it's, yeah. it's, it's more like... It's more class content from the DP World
0: Tour as well because the, yeah. their social media scene always smash it out the park, don't they? Yeah. All the challenges they do are, are very good. And, and it, like, like I mentioned just just prior to, to that little chat there, it got us thinking about three and four club oh, challenges. And, and I said, I've, put, I've played in a few of them at, at my local place. You saying you've never played in one. Um, no,
1: I sort of would do
0: it with my mates sticking around, but I, we haven't. I don't think I did a competition in it, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I quite enjoyed it. I mean, the last time we did it, we did a, a four club challenge. Usually they're, they're sort of in the winter, you know, so it's not playing to full length courses. But and I went, I was, I went with three wood, um, seven iron, um, 56 degree wedge, and, and putter. And obviously, a, a few people were like, why have you chosen putter when you've got three wood in your hand? You know, you could use that. I was like, well, there's a chance that three would get snapped at some point. So, I was, <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> four clubs. I was thinking
1: three woods. I think I'd go with three woods. Um, maybe seven iron. Yeah, six iron wedge.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I went seven iron. Wedge. I went seven iron just because of the length of the par threes at my local course, okay, which, yeah, which yeah. I can sort of seven iron is about if I really hit one, that's the longest par three, yeah. and then I could sort of ease off on it a little bit for the other par three. So that's why I chose seven iron. Um Maybe a driver, maybe driver's driver six iron, pitching wedge,
1: putter maybe.
0: Yeah. You, you want s- a putter, really, don't you, shortly? Yeah, you've got, yeah. I mean, it's sort of three clubs and a putter, isn't it? Yeah. Um But it's. I, I really enjoyed it, and um, we've done it a couple of years now, and I think there's one coming up at, at, at my local course in a few weeks, Simon. I'll definitely be trying to, Trying to get on that because I think it's a great. The thing is, it's one of those, especially winter comps. They don't mean anything towards your handicap and and so on. So to have something a little bit different, it just provides a bit of fun, doesn't it? And a bit of yeah, it's something that I think clubs do very well. You know, you have your four ball better balls, and you have your normal Stablefords and your medals and so on. But then you have, and we've seen like green keep keepers revenge and things like that. And yeah, yeah, we had one. We had one in the summer with green keepers revenge, and it was incredible. Um. But yeah, I mean I'm a big fan of it. Um and we will be debating this over the next couple of days and you, you you'll be able to read on, on our website um what our thoughts are. Um but yeah I think I mean that pretty much wraps it up for for this week on, on the SLAM mm-hmm. that we've gone through pretty much everything. We've got a big week of golf coming up. Ned Bank Golf Challenge is the sort of the penultimate event on the DP World Tour. Sixty six of the world's best players, and there's, there's some strong players involved. Max Homer yeah, nice. um, is playing. Tommy Fleetwood's a two time defending champion. You've you got lots so of. Ryan, yeah, Ryan Fox, Justin Thomas, Adrian Moronk, Sammy Valamaki, who won last last week as well. Um, the PGA Tour is off to Bermuda this week. Um, the Asian Tour is back in Hong Kong, where there'll be some live golfers playing there because it's an international series event. Um, and it's the Annika as well. Annika Sorenstam is um, the main. Sponsor the name behind the uh, the games Bridge at Pelican, right. so it's a busy week on tour this week. Um, we might be back next week, actually, seeing soon as we weren't supposed to be here this week. Uh-huh. So we I know. Be next well, week. Yeah. Um, we'll let you. I'm sure you'll find out, of course, whether it's us or or, or <laughs> the from the clubhouse guys. Um, but once again, pleasure was always Matt. Of course, of course. Yeah, much.
1: another enjoyable uh, one.
0: Yeah, uh, thank you very much for listening, and uh, we will uh, see you again shortly.